Stuff I Learned Yesterday, episode number 487, Friday Flashback. Hey there, welcome to Stuff I Learned Yesterday. My name is Daryl Darnell. Today, our kids are back in school, so Carrie and I are going to be celebrating by going out for a Chinese food lunch, and I believe that if you aren't learning, you aren't living. In today's episode of Stuff I Learned Yesterday, we are hopping in the DeLorean and taking a look back at an episode about tact and how to express what you know without coming across as a know-it-all. All right. Well, welcome to Stuff I Learned Yesterday. Welcome to Friday. I am so glad that you are tuning in today. And I'm wondering how many of you out there are like us, where our kids are starting school on a Friday. It seems like the weirdest thing, but what do I know, right? It is the season where kids are going back to school, and my kids aren't really excited about school this year. I don't know why. Usually they are. At least my son is. And uh, neither one of them are really particularly excited about going back, but they'll get to see their friends and they are excited about that. I guess it's just, they're not really excited about sitting in a classroom all day and that sort of thing. And they're in eighth grade and seventh grade. And man, those were probably some of my least favorite years of school. They're very awkward and hard times as an adolescent. So, you know, I can't really say that I blame them, but I think they'll have a good time once they get going. And I think you'll have a good time in today's episode as we take a look back at uh, what was originally, you know what? I'm not going to tell you just yet. <laughs> getting a little ahead of myself. I was going to go ahead and tell you now, but I actually have it in my notes to tell you in a little bit later. This is an older episode. It's a fun one though. But first, let me tell you the fun fact of the day. How about we go there instead? Well, today is August 19th. And on this day, back in 1812, 1812, you know what happened? Well, the USS Constitution got its name, its nickname, I should say, Old Ironsides. Yeah, the USS Constitution was one of six frigates that Congress requested be built in 1794 to help protect American merchant fleets from attacks by Barbary pirates and harassment by British and French forces. It was constructed in Boston, and the bolts fastening its timbers and copper sheathing were provided by the industrialist and patriot Paul Revere. Launched on October 21, 1797, the Constitution was 204 feet long, displaced 2,200 tons, and was rated as a 44-gun frigate, although it often carried as many as 50 guns. In July 1798, it was put to sea with a crew of 450 and cruised the West Indies protecting U.S. shipping from French privateers. In 1803, President Thomas Jefferson ordered the American warship to the Mediterranean to fight Barbary pirates off the coast of Tripoli. The vessel performed commendably during the conflict, and in 1805, a peace treaty with Tripoli was signed on the Constitution's deck. When war broke out with Britain in June of 1812, the Constitution was commanded by Isaac Hull, who served as lieutenant on the ship during the Tripolitan War. Scarcely a month later, on July 16th, the Constitution encountered a squadron of five British ships off of Egg Harbor, New Jersey, finding itself surrounded. This is hilarious, by the way. Uh, I guess hilarious to look back on. I'm sure it wasn't at the time. 
Uh, finding itself surrounded, the Constitution was preparing to escape when suddenly the wind died. With both sides dead in the water and just out of gunnery range, a legendary slow-speed chase ensued. I, f- I picture this as like the O.J. Simpson tr- chase of the day. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess it's slow-speed chase. Okay, check this out. For 36 hours, the Constitution's crew kept their ship just ahead of the British by towing the frigate with rowboats and tossing the ship's anchor ahead of the ship and then reeling it in. Yeah, for 36 hours they did that. At dawn on July 18th, a breeze sprang and the Constitution was far enough ahead of its pursuers to escape by sail. That's fascinating to me. One month later, on August 19th, here we go, the Constitution caught the British warship Guerriere alone about 600 miles east of Boston. After considerable maneuvering, the Constitution delivered its first broadside and for 20 minutes, the American and British vessels bombarded each other in close and violent action. The British man-of-war was demasted and rendered a wreck while the Constitution escaped with only minimal damage, witnesses claimed that the British shots merely bounced off the Constitution's sides as if the ship were made of iron rather than wood, and thus the nickname was born. The unexpected victory of Old Ironsides against a British frigate helped unite America behind the war effort and made Commander Hull a national hero. The Constitution went on to defeat or capture seven more British ships in the War of 1812 and ran the British blockade of Boston twice. In 1855, the Constitution retired from active military service, but the famous vessel continued to serve the United States, first as a training ship and later as a touring national landmark. Since 1934, it's been based at the Charlestown Navy Yard in Boston. Over the years, Old Ironsides has enjoyed a number of restorations, the most recent of which was completed in 1997, allowing it to set sail for the first time in 116 years. Today, the Constitution is the world's oldest commissioned warship afloat. And that comes from our good friends over at History.com. Such a good article. There's more to it that I didn't share with you because it was quite a bit of information there. It's a really fascinating ship, too. If you're ever in Boston, it's there, and it's in the harbor. I don't know the name of the harbor, which one it's at, but you know, it said there it was at the uh, Charlestown Navy Yard. So it's fascinating. I made it there one day, the very last tour of the day. I made it just in time, and it's really, really cool. So go check that out if you're ever in Boston. A really fascinating piece of American history. Well, the other things that are fascinating about this podcast are you. Yeah, you guys out there listening right now are fascinating. I mean that. And I would love to have you as a contributor for next week's episode. I do have one piece of feedback that came in. So, Zachary, I got your feedback, but it's not enough to fill an entire episode. So I'm saving it for you. So you can join Zachary and tag team an upcoming episode of the Friday Forum. You can do that by calling 304-837-2278 or by going over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback where you can uh, submit your contribution by typey-typing or uh, using the SpeakPipe widget or uploading an audio file. So many different ways. So uh, go do that. All right, and that's it. Before we get into the episode, one last thing I want to do is just thank Therissa for filling in yesterday. She was one of our guest hosts, and I'm really liking having guest hosts come in about three or four times a season. I think we'll keep that up. And so, Therissa, thank you for your excellent episode yesterday. Well, today's episode 
It's going to, we're going to, like I said at the beginning, we're going to jump in the DeLorean. We're going to go back to May 15th, 2015. And this one's hosted by one of our former hosts, Mandy Wickert. Yeah. And as I said at the top of the show, this is a lesson about tact and how to express what you know without coming across as a know-it-all. It originally aired as episode 219, and it's called Leaping Lizards. Here she is. A few days ago, we attended a really great birthday party. A good friend of mine had a joint birthday party for her son and daughter, and our entire family was invited to celebrate. The party was for a mixed age group, and there were kids at the party ranging in ages from 2 to 7, and there were probably around 30 kids there in total. Did I mention that this party was also a surprise party? (laughs) It was. The kids walked into the room full of their friends, filled to the brim with balloons and party food, and their eyes lit up like Christmas morning. When they entered, we were all standing there yelling, Happy Birthday! And each of the kids eagerly scanned the room to see which of their friends were able to make it there that day to celebrate with them. I saw something then that really impressed me. My friend's son, who was celebrating his fifth birthday that day, eagerly walked up to each child at the party. He sought them out individually without prompting and excitedly engaged them personally. He greeted them with a warm hug and instinctively began telling them how excited he was that they were there and about how much he'd missed them. After finishing with one friend, he would scan the room until he found another friend who'd not yet been greeted. Then he'd excitedly run up to that person with a big hug and do it all over again. He was completely genuine and his excitement was contagious. Each child stood around uncomfortably not sure of the mixture of new people until he made his rounds. Then the entire party came together and each child felt wanted and accepted. It was really cool to watch. Anyway, my friend organized the party like a champion and planned for someone else to take the brunt of the entertainment. She hired a local exotic animal park to come and spend some time introducing all the kids to a variety of wild animals. The kids were thrilled to get to see exotic animals like a ring-tailed lemur, a chinchilla, an armadillo, an albino boa constrictor, a baby crocodile, a tortoise, and a baby kangaroo, among other things. Most of the kids attending had never seen such a great display of exotic animals before. The parents were pretty excited, too. It's not every day we get to be up close and personal with such fascinating animals. My kids had attended another party with the same animals, but I was sure it would be just as fun for them a second time. That theory held true for the most part, but it was not without its hiccups. As the party progressed, the animal keeper had us all sit in a giant circle. Then she proceeded to bring out one animal at a time to hold in the center of the circle before allowing each child the chance to pet and even hold most animals. At one point, she held up a large green reptile. She instructed the children about the special way to hold this animal under his stomach and tail, and then asked the group if they knew which animal they were looking at. The kids all shouted, almost in unison, A lizard! It's a lizard! The animal keeper looked pleased, but she still had her eyebrows raised in question form as if there was more she was looking for. Then, a familiar voice popped up from the ring of children. Of course it's a lizard. Everyone knows and can see that. She's not asking if it's a lizard. She wants to know specifically what kind of lizard it is. My son's exasperated tone was easy to recognize, even though I was engaged in wrestling with my youngest at the time. 
The room fell almost silent, sort of deflated. But the animal keeper lost little steam and just said, That's right. Do you know what kind of lizard this is? It's a bearded dragon, my son exclaimed. As she was validating this title to the rest of the kids, I was frantically giving the come here quickly eyes to my son, along with my hushed whisper command, Come here, please, now. He sauntered over to me, expecting me to agree with the absurdity of the situation, with everyone thinking that she was just asking for the answer of Lizard. But instead, I explained to him, in as loving of a way as possible, that just because he knew the right answer didn't mean that he could be unkind in the way that he shared his information with others. He was so confused. He hadn't intended to be hurtful. The answer just seemed so obvious to him, and he had assumed it was clear to everyone else. Unfortunately, everyone else hadn't seen a bearded dragon before. I was a little embarrassed by his choice of wording and timing, and about how his exasperated tone had brought the entire room to a screeching halt. But I also knew it was an innocent mistake, and he had to learn it sometime. Later, in my women's Bible study group, we discussed how people are naturally drawn to people with knowledge and enthusiasm, how these two traits make people instant salespeople, and how these characteristics can make almost anything seem attractive. We were addressing how we as a group could go about living a life set apart. But I was brought back to the birthday party. I told the group the story about my son's lizard comment. We discussed how in life, We have opportunities like this to either hold information or share it with others. We also have opportunities to make others feel better for obtaining information or to make ourselves look better while diminishing them. It's a fine distinction, but one that was so evident to me that day. So here's what I learned. Having all the knowledge without the ability to share it graciously and humbly will not get you far. If you want to get your point across to a group of people and really encourage them to grow and learn, you must first learn how to deliver your message with tact. We are constantly selling ourselves and our ideas to others. I mean this in the sense that when we meet someone for the first time, or attend a group event, or even hold a business meeting, we're hoping to exchange information, collaborate, motivate, or persuade the person we are talking to. When we know that we know more than someone in a particular area, Are we quick to let them know it as well, or do we instead attempt to bring them up to speed and share our resources? Like iron sharpens iron, one good idea can often lead to another, and conversely, leaving a bunch of wounded soldiers laying around with bruised egos may not win you the respect you were hoping to achieve with your knowledge. Knowledge is only valuable if you are able to translate to others in an understandable way what you know. So share what you know and help others. I'm Mandy Wickert, and this has been Stuff I Learned Yesterday. Speaking of knowing it all, I'm sure many of you, like me, have a long list of new things you'd like to learn in 2015. Check out lynda.com, that's lynda with a Y, for over 3,000 video courses from expert teachers who are passionate about teaching. Learn from your computer, tablet, or mobile device. With courses covering technical skills, creative techniques, business strategies, and more, I'm sure you'll be able to find a topic that interests you. You can give this great tool as a gift to someone else, too. Visit goldenspiralmedia.com slash Linda and give it a try.
Follow Golden Spiral Media on Twitter at GSM Podcasts and Facebook.com slash Golden Spiral Media. To subscribe to Stuff I Learned Yesterday, visit goldenspiralmedia.com slash subscribe. If you've enjoyed this episode of Stuff I Learned Yesterday, I'd be really grateful if you'd leave a review in iTunes at goldenspiralmedia.com slash iTunes.